The bread of life opens our eyes. The word of life opens our ears. The risen one shows us God's own brokenness. And by those wounds we are healed. Peace be with you. God has made the one who was rejected the, who was rejected the cornerstone of a new community. In the name of Jesus Christ, let us pray for the needs of the world, saying, Hear us, O God, your, great, your mercy is great. Holy One, as the risen Christ opened the minds of the disciples to understand the scriptures and, give, and gave them power through the Holy Spirit to walk boldly in this world, open your people today to hearing, to healing, to hearing, to wisdom and faith given in your word. Prince of Peace, as Jesus Christ showed his wounds, hands and wounded hands and feet to the terrified apostles, reveal to your church and to people in, of prayer in every faith the wounds of our neighbors, the fears of individuals and families, and the avenues toward healing. Author of life, we beg for peace among nations, peace throughout communities, peace within families. Guide leaders and voters and legislators and parliaments and judges and juries. Teach diplomacy and let our ways be formed so that all creatures, plants, and people may have plenty. Light in our darkness, let your brightness burn in places shrouded in violence. Reveal the pains that are hidden in secret. Unveil the needs of our own hearts so that we may know the power of vulnerability. Your son was raised to life even from the grave. Show us again that life becomes life comes from death. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Healer of our every ill, we pray for those who are in need, for refugees of war and all who are displaced by storms, for rescue workers and medical teams, for those whose bones are weary, for those who show us the power of community to give hope to the frightened, and for all who have asked for our prayers. You command us to bring to you our deepest desires, O God, and we pray now for those persons and concerns that lie on our heart, spoken aloud or in silence. Like our dear friend, Paul Turney. Trusting in your abundant mercy, O God, we commend into your care all for who we pray and our own lives. Holy God, by your spirit, reveal your radical, surprising love. Come to us through your holy word and let us hear what you are saying. The scripture this morning is from the book of Acts in chapter 3, verse 12 through 19. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? 
or why do you stare at us as though our own power or piety we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the Holy One and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this, perf this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Faith is really important when you're reading and studying the Bible. As with most books in the Bible, the exact author and dates are not known of the book of Acts. We are faithful that it is written by someone who knew the stories well and told them with as much accuracy as possible. The book of Acts is often thought as Luke part two. It is thought that the author of the Gospel of Luke is also the author of the book of Acts. The theory does hold some clout though, as throughout much of Acts, there are several references to stories and actions that are also found in the Gospel according to Luke. Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. It follows the works that the first century Christians did in effort to grow the faith and the church. Most of the book takes place after Pentecost, which is the traditional birth of the church, which Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit came to earth. The book starts out with a great focus on Peter and his work and ends with a with more of a focus on Paul. Its position in the canon works well for just that reason because the next several books in the Bible after Acts are all attributed to the writings of Paul. The book was written after the Jewish wars in, in which the temple had been destroyed. It is thought that the book was written somewhere around 85 and 95, somewhere in between there. As with the Gospels, Acts is written to preserve the stories that have been passed down from the first generation of Christians to the next. Peter and Paul were both dead by the time this book was written, and Jesus has yet to return. So for some for the same reason that the Gospels were written down, so too was Acts. <clears throat> Oral traditions were still very much important during this time, but in order to maintain their importance, the stories had to be written down. 
and that is just what the author of Luke and Acts did. In the book of Acts, the disciples, which were the followers of Jesus, have been upgraded to apostles, which in Greek means to send or messenger. Since Jesus was no longer on earth with the disciples, it was their job to lead rather than to follow. In the verse, verses of Acts just before the ones we heard today, the apostles were healing the sick and preaching to the masses just as they had witnessed Jesus do, and just as they had done in his name. Some of the Jewish people were astonished at what they were seeing, and this is where the scripture for today comes in. Peter sort of lets these people have it. As with all texts, it can be interpreted many ways. To me, it sounds like Peter holds some anger toward the Jewish people. And when they start acting like the work of the apostles is something wonderful that they'd never seen before, Peter lets them know of his disappointment and irritation with them. He addressed the group from Solomon's portico, which is a section of the temple which is believed to have been on the eastern side. They had just witnessed Peter healing a man in the name of Jesus Christ, and they rushed to him and could not believe their eyes. Peter basically asks them how they could possibly question him about the miracle that they've just seen. I feel like I can hear Peter standing in front of this crowd saying, Seriously? Really? None of you have been paying attention to anything these last several months. You just had the guy crucified. You handed him over to the authorities and let him die, and now you're asking about him and the miracles that he allowed us to do in his name? Seriously? Finally, toward the end of his monologue, Peter realizes that he should calm, da calm down. <clears throat> He turns his attitude from anger and agitation to one of turning people toward Christ. He acknowledges that people had acted out of ignorance. He let them know that if they repented of their sin, even that of killing Jesus, they would be forgiven. He had to get that last twist in, though. Perhaps Peter was able to turn his attitude toward the crowd around because he realized that he too had turned his back on Jesus. Perhaps even though Jesus had forgiven Peter, he still felt twinges of guilt for having betrayed Jesus on the night of his arrest. I have wondered if Peter took on so much after the resurrection because he held on to so much personal guilt in his own behavior. It is not an uncommon thing to do, to lash out at others for their actions when we hold guilt for doing the same thing, or to judge others for doing something that we have done in our past. And although the bulk of Peter's message to the people focused on his, disbe his disbelief in their disbelief, he finally turned it all around to the true point, 
the true matter of the situation, and that is the sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ. In life, we are all going to make mistakes that turn out to be, or excuse me, we're all going to make decisions that turn out to be wrong ones. We are human beings, and it is our nature for self-preservation. That is what Peter was doing the night Jesus was arrested, even though his dearest friend, his mentor, his savior was arrested and charged with supposed criminal acts. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And just that, and not just that he didn't know what Jesus was truly up to, but that he didn't even know him. Peter's instinct to preserve himself kicked in. When Pilate asked the people who he should release and who he should crucify, it was quite possible that the population decided not to upset the status quo that they had with the Romans. Although many of the people in the crowd that day might not have had, might not have truly understood just exactly what they were doing, some of them were concerned with self-preservation. They had to keep the Romans and the Jewish priests happy so that they could continue their lives in relative harmony. Think back to when you were children or young adults, something in the house would accidentally get broken and you would deny, deny, deny your involvement. Perhaps someone at school was getting teased and though you did not participate in the teasing, you didn't really do anything to stop it either. These are all things that people do, especially young people that are trying to keep themselves from being the target or upsetting the status quo. I don't know about all of you, but I am sometimes haunted by the times that I didn't step in or lied to cover my own involvement. Luckily, Peter reminds the people in the portico and us as we read his words that our sins, no matter how great, are forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He tells the crowd that the Messiah was the, excuse me, he tells the crowd that the Messiah that was foretold by the prophets had been there. He tells them that all they need to do was repent of their sins and that they would be forgiven. To repent is not just to feel bad for what we have done or to wish we hadn't done it or to say we'll never do it again. To repent is to actually change our hearts and our minds. To truly repent of a sin is to change the thought process around why we did it in the first place. It is not simply saying on Monday morning, I repent of my weekend sins and then doing it all again on Friday night. It is realizing that the pattern must be changed. So what Peter was telling the people in the portico was to change their minds on how they lived to change their minds in whether they would believe that Jesus Christ was the Savior and that the apostles were acting 
in his stead on earth. As we know, Peter spent the rest of his life making sure that it was known that he repented for his sins. Even though it was a few moments of doubt and fear on his part, he spent the rest of his life preaching and teaching the ways of Christ. When his own death was imminent and he was about to be crucified himself, he asked to be upside down, as he was not worthy to be crucified in the same way that his Lord was. Peter's guilt never left him, which is unfortunate. When God has forgiven us, when we have truly repented, we no longer have to feel guilty about what we've done. We simply make sure not to do it again and that we share the sanctifying grace of Christ with others. Through Peter's words to the people in the portico, it was like a veil had been lifted. Like the disciples who did not fully understand some of Jesus' words that he, had, that he had said to them, so were some of his actions to the Jewish people. They did not clearly understand what was happening until it was all over, or until it had been done in his name. There was recognition in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and suddenly people were intrigued with the information. They had heard him say, <clears throat> excuse me, they had heard him say, and they had heard of him, and they, wasn't that the fellow that came to town a few weeks ago in all that hubbub? Through the actions of the apostles and the sermons of Peter, the people were able to repent of their ways and to truly recognize the miracles of Christ, even at the hands of the apostles. My hope is that we are all able to recognize the miracles of Christ when they happen before us. My hope is that we are able to stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ, to say something and to speak up when there is wrongdoing going on in our midst. My hope is that we learn from the mistakes of Peter as we move through life and truly have a change of heart and mind. Amen. And now let us pray together the prayer that Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The word of God assures us, what we will be has not yet been revealed. Live, therefore, with hope. Share your joy, withhold your anger, shed your disappointments, turn to people with gentleness. The Lord bless you and keep you, and shine upon you with grace and mercy, and give you what you need each new day. Amen.